inmate at the Virginia Department of Corrections, Red Onion State Prison. To accept this call, press zero. This is Randall Vaughn. I'm currently serving 1,214 years for capital murder in Red Onion State Prison in Pound, Virginia, in the USA. Welcome to my podcast, Red Onion Randy. I hope you enjoy listening to me today. I've talked about prison a lot on this podcast, you know, as I'm currently in prison, of course. But I think I'm going to do something a little bit different today. Instead of talking about prison how it is, I'm going to talk about prison how it should be. I'm going to give you what I would do if I was in charge of the prison systems in the state of Virginia or in the U.S. One of the very first things I would do is... I would take all prison systems out of the state's control. There would no longer be state penitentiaries. It would all be federal penitentiaries. Because this is the thing about it. I, in the state of Virginia, I've committed murder. I get life in prison without the possibility of parole. But yet, if I go to a place like, say, Minnesota or Maine, and I caught the exact same charge, everything was the exact same. The only difference is location. I would only get like 25 to life, meaning I would be released from prison by now with good time and everything. I would already have been out of prison if I was in Minnesota or if I was in Maine. But yet in Virginia for the exact same crime, I have to spend the rest of my life in here unless the governor gives me a pardon, which that failed because Ralph Northam left office and did not grant me a pardon, which sucks for me. But that's why I think the prison system desperately needs to be changed, and it needs to be under one one umbrella instead of just being each state having their own and then the federal system having their own. There's 50 states in the United States of America, and then there's you know one federal system. So there's literally 51 different prison systems within the same country, and each prison system has their own laws and ways of doing things. And that's discrimination. If you think about it, it's discrimination because if one group of people lives in one area and they're treated more humanely than the group in my area is being treated, it's discrimination. That's what it is. So I think prison system really needs to be changed, and that has to happen first. But the way the prison system is set up now is... It's capitalistic. It's way, way too capitalistic. Now, I don't have a problem with the capitalist system per se. I don't mind somebody making a living off of providing services and so forth, but I do have that problem when you are targeting us because you know we have no choice but to pay your prices because they have a monopoly in here. So because of that monopoly, these corporations and these private prisons – They don't want us to be rehabilitated. They want us to be criminals. They want us to come in here and just watch TV all day, jerk off to pornographic magazines all day, fight each other all day, steal from each other all day. They want us doing all these things because if we're doing all these things, we're not rehabilitating ourselves. And if we're not rehabilitating ourselves, I would probably say 85% of everyone in prison eventually has a release date. So that means when these people go home, of that 85% of the prison population, I believe the recidivism rate in the United States is a little bit over 90%.
like 92 or 93%, I believe. So 93% of 85% are going to come back to prison. So it's a cash cow because they're always going to be able to keep us in this repetitive cycle over and over and over again. So this is what I would do if I was running the prison system. The very first things that I would do is I would take out televisions. There would be no TVs in prison. I would expand the library. I would actually come in and I would have contractors build a brand new library, a huge library, the type of library that can hold at minimum 50,000 volumes within that library. Or if we can do it, work out a deal somehow with the Library of Congress where we can have tablets that is connected directly to the Library of Congress and we can go on and just basically pull whatever book out that's in Congress and we can read it on our tablets, that would be best. I, you personally, that's what I would do, but I don't know if the Library of Congress would want to do that or if the state would want to pay for the tablets and so on and so forth. So you have to have a library because this is the one thing I've noticed being in prison. I read a lot and because I read so much, even I read more fiction than I do nonfiction. And that's just because I have more access to fiction books than I do nonfiction books. Believe me, I wish I had it set up to where I could order 10 to 15 books every single month. Yeah, some of them would still be fiction, but a lot of them would be nonfiction because I really truly desire to educate myself. And I've noticed something in prison. Those who read a lot, those who read at minimum one book every single week, those are the ones who actually start to think for themselves. They start to think about things. They start to think about their lives. They start to think about what they did to get put in prison in the first place. And they start to think about how they would do things differently if they had the opportunity. That's the thing about the written word. It makes you think. People who watch TV do not think because they're only watching TV to escape reality, especially inside prison. They're watching TV to escape the monotony of their lives. They're watching TV to escape the pain and the heartache and, and the trouble and the difficult times in their lives. That's why TV is escapism and reading books isn't because reading books will make you think. Every single person in prison, I'm telling you, I've been doing prison for 30 plus years, juvenile and adult. Everyone who reads a book a week, they're no longer criminals. They're the guys in here that are making something of themselves. They're doing something. So I would kick out every television in prison. And I would make it to where it would be a system. It would be a different system. It'd be basically like a level six all the way down to a level one. There would be no more road camps per se. Everybody who get when you first come into prison, regardless of your crime, you get sent to the highest level prison. And you have to work your way down. You have to. Every single person who comes in prison, if you come in prison with 10 years on your sentence, and if you do not get a GED or a high school diploma while you are in prison, you do not get released from prison. It doesn't matter. You don't get released from prison. You have to get an education while you're in it. It is mandatory. And if you refuse, you get put in solitary confinement until you decide, okay, you know what? I'm going to go to school. 
I'm going to get my education. I'm going to get a GED or a high school diploma. And as soon as you sit there and say, you tell the, you tell the counselor or somebody, hey, look, I'm going to go ahead and get my GED. Within two days, you will be released back to general population so you can go to school. I would make it mandatory that every single person in prison would have to complete the Enneagram program and they would have to complete the Hustle 2.0 program. I've looked into both of them and I have done a lot of programs. As a matter of fact, I had a judge tell me one time, boy, you've done more tests than a monkey has fleas. I have completed pretty much every program that the prison system has to offer. And the only two that I have ever come across that was worth the paper it was printed on was the Enneagram program and it's the Hustle 2.0 program. And I would make it to where every program that you complete, you actually get time knocked off of your sentence for completing these programs. And this is the good thing about the Enneagram program and the Hustle 2.0 program. They are exhaustive. They're not some little cheap check yes or no is murder bad program. Of course murder's bad. I mean, dude, anybody can fake that. You can't fake the Enneagram program. You cannot fake the Hustle 2.0 program. The way it is written, you are going to know whoever the counselor is that checks this and looks at it. They're going to know if you were being real or if you're just saying what people want – you think people want you to say. Like you can't fake it. So by the time you go through this program, there are going to be changes made within you because the Enneagram program teaches you who you are as a person. It teaches you what type of personality you have, and it, and it gives you the keys to look into yourself. And then the Hustle 2.0 program – it actually helps you to think about life. It helps you to think about your decision-making process and the choices that you're making. It helps you to look at life in a way that you've never looked at it before. And it's, it's very, very interesting. Now, this is the thing. I haven't actually completed the Hustle 2.0 program and so forth because I'm waiting to get transferred to another prison so I can start it without having to be interrupted. But there's somebody in the pod, and I got their book from them, and I sit there, and I read it, and I did it for myself with that one book. And let me tell you something. It is one of the hardest programs I have ever done, bar none. Like, I mean, you have to stop and really, truly think about it. So that would be mandatory. So if, when you get your GED, you get time off your sentence. When you complete the Enneagram program and you find out what type of person you are, you get time off your sentence. When you complete the Hustle 2.0 program, and that's a long program too. Like it's not a program that can be done within a month. Like that's going to take you a year or more to do that program effectively. You get time knocked off your sentence for that. Then as you work your way from the higher levels down to these lower levels through good behavior and doing the things that you have to do, then you'll start to get more and more privileges. When you get down to, say, a level five, you'll get to go to uh, programs like learning how to be a master electrician, learning how to lay 
brickwork, learning how to do construction, electronics, computers, businesses. Like, give us something to actually do that's going to benefit us when we go home. Because if you don't give us job skills in here, guess what happens when we go on the street? We have no confidence. We have no belief in ourselves. And we're going to go right back to slinging dope or robbing or doing whatever criminal activity it was that got us in prison in the first damn place. Because we're not going to have any structure. We're not going to have any self-belief in ourselves because we're not going to know anything. You cannot release a person from prison with no job skills. So it's mandatory that you get a degree in a program like this, a trade or a skill, before you can get released from prison. That's another thing where if you don't have a trade or a skill, you don't get released from prison. You stay in prison until you get it, regardless of how much time you've got. Then I would go to companies like Nike and Reebok. I would go to companies like Microsoft and these different places. And I would sit there and tell them if I was the governor of Virginia or the president of the United States or whoever, and I would sit there and tell them, look, instead of building your company in China and having to pay millions of dollars for shipping all of that, all of your goods back to the U.S. so you can simply sell them, why not build that factory right beside a prison system? And we will secure it. We will put in the cameras. We'll put in the fences and the guard dogs and so on and so forth. And we will have these prisoners working for your company. And you will pay them minimum wage. You'll pay them $5 an hour. Now, what happened is this. One, as a company, you're paying workers less. You're contributing to changing criminals into good members, healthy members of society. And then the $5 that they pay. The inmate is going to have to pay taxes on it. So $2 of every $5 we make will go to a victim's fund to help victims of violent crime to rebuild their lives, to get the, the mental and emotional help and support that they need, to help pay for those kids' education and college fund because I went and murdered this family's father and husband, and now he can no longer provide for his kids. Since he can't provide for his kids, I have to provide for him now. That should be mandatory. So that leaves $3 left. Then $1.50 of that money is automatically put into our savings account. And we cannot touch that money. We do not get it until we've been released from prison. So that way, when we go home, we actually have money in our pocket so we can buy clothes, so we can buy tools, so we can maybe put a down payment on a secondhand car so we can you know, have a vehicle to get to and from work. And then the other dollar fifty, we can use that to buy hygiene. We can use that to buy clothes and to buy a little extra food and so on and so forth. And by doing that, it's teaching us responsibility. It's teaching us how to budget our money. It's teaching us how to help people or how to make some amends while we're in prison. And like the people that we're helping, when we pay $2 towards a victim's fund, like when we pay for some child to go through college, like we'll get a picture of this person's diploma. The counselors will come in and take that to the wall. I'm like, man, we can go and see that. Because let me tell you something about prisoners. If a CEO or a staff member comes in and tapes a piece of paper to the wall, every last one of us goes over and reads it. So we're actually going to see that, hey, man, Jane Doe, she just graduated from college. 
we just saw something uplifting and positive like that. Like, that's going to help us. Believe me when I tell you that. That is going to help us. So these are things that I would do to improve prison. There's a lot more. Believe me, it would take probably 20 episodes for me to talk about everything that I would do just to change how prison is being run. And the fact of the matter is most people would think that I would actually be really, really easy on prisoners and giving us all of these different things. You know, I would bring in Playstations and Xboxes. I would bring in microwave ovens. I would bring in water bids, I would, I would bring, you know, prostitutes in for us to sleep with on the weekends. I would do none of that. I would actually make prison a whole hell of a lot more tougher than it actually is. But I would make it tough in a way that would benefit us and it would change us because the overwhelming reason. You have one minute remaining. Prisoners come to prison in the first place is because they don't know how to think. Doing it my way, they would be forced to change the way they think and see things. And you would give us a true, genuine education while we were in here. So when we come home, we would be a blessing instead of a curse. So that's my time. This has been Red Onion Randy. I hope you enjoyed listening to me. For those of you who listen to me on Apple Podcasts, I would appreciate if you would review me and rate me. Preferably five stars, but I'll take whatever you can give me, whatever you think I'm worth. And, uh... Don't forget to check out my website, redonionrandy.com. Take care. Stay safe. Thank you for using GTL.